You're listening to The Sower's Almanac, the church planting podcast of Ransom City Church. For more media content, visit ransomcitychurch.org. Hey, welcome to The Sower's Almanac. I'm Seth. And I'm Chris. Um, off uh, the bat, I'll tell you guys, uh, just in case you've noticed, the, the sound quality is not as good than the, this week and the last couple of weeks. We've actually had to resort to recording on our phones, which we normally do for, for a backup. Um, but we've just had equipment problems. So we're working on getting a new mic. So bear with us for a few weeks here before we get our new equipment up and running. So anyway, um, that won't be normal going forward. That's just a temporary thing. Um, tonight we're going to be talking about something that I, I want to be clear on what we mean and what we don't mean. Um, we wanted to bridge uh, the topic again of kind of the lead guy and that idea of having a lead pastor uh, first among equals, that kind of concept. We've touched on this before. It's probably a while back at this point. Um, our take on that, uh, which if you heard that episode, this shouldn't be shocking. It's just kind of review. We're not really convinced uh, that there's a whole lot of evidence for that, frankly. I, I think there's a plethora of evidence for a plurality of elders. Little to no evidence for one of those guys being kind of higher up in yeah. authority. Set on like a different level. Yes. Yeah. And so we, we covered that in detail. If you go back and find the episode, I think it was titled The Lead Guy um, or something like that. If you go find that episode, you can see more of the theological argument there. Um, and we'll talk, talk about it and touch on it more in this episode as well. But here's why we're talking about that. I think we think, and, and we've been talking about this a lot just amongst uh, Chris and Greg and I, um, I think that idea has contributed at least to some degree, and this is the discussion we wanted to have tonight, uh, to the number of lead pastors that we see over and over again uh, being disqualified from ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there is some sort of, I'm not going to argue that is the defining factor, I'm not going to, it's not that. Um, I think it's a contributor though. I think it has something to do with it um, in some way, shape, or form. And I'm not like I'm not talking about one specific problem because like there's a wide range of ways pastors can be disqualified from ministry, um, but in particular, uh, the the word that comes to mind that I've seen in the last several more public ones is the word domineering. Mm. That's the word that sparked this thought for the three of us. Yeah, uh, and that has happened on repeat for the last several. Um, where you're just reading kind of what happened and what the public statements were about it. Yeah. Uh, sounded eerily similar to one another. And I do think this whole lead pastor guy elevated amongst the other, uh, over the other plurality of other guys around him and kind of being first in, in authority and all that kind of stuff, I think has something to do with this. So we'll, that's where we're headed. Um, here's just a disclaimer. Like we're not, we're not attacking anybody. Um, this is one that please assume positive intent. I, we're not head hunting with this podcast. Um, We're not going to be, like, name-dropping and accusing anybody of anything. This is more, I just wanted to open this can uh, and have a dialogue about it and be like, let's lay it on the table and discuss this a little bit. Um, Because even if if you disagree with us positionally, please, I would ask you, for one, give us some grace and and positive intent. But for two, hear out what our heart is. Because even at the end of this, this episode, amongst the other one that we did on this, if you disagree with us on this, that's fine. I do think either way, this is a worthwhile conversation for you to consider yeah. kind of the heart 
behind what we're getting at and some of the concerns that we have, even if you disagree with us. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to make it clear, like we're not attacking anybody. Um, so I, I just don't want to see you guys take this the wrong way and it becomes an argument that we're not really having. Um, and so if yeah, you have not, questions, I want to... after anyone. No, I, I don't have literally any names or faces in mind at all with any of this. Uh, this is just a, a, an actual, like, general topic that we wanted to bring up and discuss. And so if you have questions, if you want clarification, you know, we're probably not going to be able to talk about every detail of this. Um, please email us uh, at org. If you click on the contact tab, this would be a really good episode for that if you have questions. Or you can direct message us on Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, our Twitter handle is Sower's Almanac. Yep. Um, so you should be able to find us there. Um, but I guess maybe we should probably start because not every not every listener probably even knows what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. um, they might implicitly have experienced this in a church or in a, in a ministry context, but maybe not every... Christian has heard out what the argument is or what the side of the lead guy, kind of this first among equals concept. Yeah. Um, so maybe we should start there. So like, I guess, how would you put that into your own words? Like first among equals, what, what is that side talking about? Yeah. Um, well, it tend, I'll, well, I guess I'll get to into the second in a second. Um, it's the idea is you're supposed to have a plurality of elders. You're supposed to have not just one, but a number of men that are pastoring a church together, mm -hmm. but one of those guys is kind of set apart uh, in some way, shape, or form. Now, it's probably going to be different depending on the church as far as what exactly this looks like, but it tends to be there usually is some form of authority difference, and and here's what I mean. Even if it's just implicit. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it, it may be like technically on paper you have the same vote, but sometimes in this context it's well, yeah, I mean, technically, but not really. Uh, when you know, certain topics are, are brought up, this person is very much deferred to, um, and and for the most part, we go with what their say is. Well, that, that's kind of how it shakes out. And even if it's not necessarily that we're going to go with what this guy says, even if we have different thoughts, it's more that this person just sets the tone yes. for the group, for the Their church. Their opinion carries more weight. Um, and they're usually, it's just assumed that they're going to choose whatever the direction we're going in mm -hmm. is. They're going to decide on major things. And we may counsel that person or we may uh, vote with that person. But they're kind of spearheading most of yes. the direction and doctrine of the church. Right. That's typically how we see it. This is the person that's preaching most often, um, if not every week. That's usually tied to yeah, the, whoever the, the, the most common, the preacher you're exactly. going to find on Sunday. Yeah. The regular mouthpiece is, is usually that person, that same guy. Yeah. Um, which we can get into that in a little while too, as far as maybe why that might be. Um, but yeah, that's the idea is that even with these churches, like nobody, well, I'm not talking about churches that don't believe in a plurality of elders because that's, that's not what we're that's talking about. That's a different about. conversation. It's a different yeah, conversation. Because that I would hope more Christians are going to be on the same page right. with us in that you should have more than one pastor. Um, and you just should. And we, we can yeah. get into that. You know, if you have questions about that, you know, we're glad to talk about it. But that one, yeah, that's more of a given. Uh, from just what we see, especially in the New Testament when it talks about elders. Right. You just um, never see church talked about with just one pastor. You just mm -hmm. don't see it. So we're um, more talking about the dynamics of, okay, even within We're churches, assuming you have multiple pastors. How, how, does, that how does that work itself right. out? Yeah. Are they functionally all 
pastors and carry the weight, responsibility, authority mm-hmm. of that title? Yeah. Or is there somebody kind of amongst that group that's elevated above the others? That's yep. the conversation that we're having. Um, do you want to talk about how people arrive at that, and then we can yeah. get into our um, take? I guess so. The the concepts that people get into most often that kind of get them to this place that, that I've heard and, and you can chime into. The thing I've heard most often people say is, you know, typically throughout redemptive history, you have God choosing one guy to kind of lead the whole group. You know, you got Moses, you got Abraham, you know, all the way down to Peter, right? And that typically Peter is the one major argument that people in this camp will kind of throw out. Um, and they'll say that he was what we call a first among equals. Mm-hmm. In that, Jesus had 12 apostles. They're all of equal value, worth, and dignity. But that Peter was the leader of this group. Of leaders. Right. He's the leader of leaders. And that he took the lead most often in speaking primarily. Um, you, you know, Peter was talking the most. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, then, and then they kind Which of see that as... something to do with it being tied to the guy who preaches more often. Yeah. And... and and even, yeah, so they, so they would kind of say, like, you see Peter speaking for the group very often. And so he was considered the lead apostle. And, you know, so that's where we get this idea that in a church you have the leadership, which is the elders. But even among them, there's going to be a guy that is kind of the lead elder or lead pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, in the church planting world, this is usually the one guy that originally started the church, kind of the founding pastor uh, and that's kind of the that's kind of the scriptural argument. Mm-hmm. True? Would you? I mean, anything you would add to that? Yeah, I, it's that, and you've brought up uh, Moses is another go to. Yeah. I think for people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's kind of yeah. where that comes from. Uh, yeah. So the the thought that we kind of had was to split this into two halves of kind of where where we're arguing this from. Uh, one, you know, half of this is just experientially. Um, we can kind of talk about the pros and cons experientially of having a, a lead guy versus having a flat leadership structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also scripturally, we can kind of talk about that where we, yeah. where we find that. So do you want to talk a little bit about the experiential side of, well, flat, I was going to say, let's do leadership. scripture you first. Start, so let's, start yeah. scripture? Okay. So let's, uh, for, let's start with what the argument is. We just said that's kind of where people get that idea, mm-hmm. uh, especially looking at Peter our counter to this, and we talk about this in more detail in that previous episode, but our counter to, to this whole argument is that is not very convincing evidence. I, I just don't, I'm not compelled, and especially by Peter. Yeah. And it's just, that is I think meant to be what the model is. It's typically also just not how we arrive at doctrine. No. Of any kind. And especially, especially in like a that reformed, waiting. in the reformed context, we typically hold scripture pretty high. And basically it's like, we hold an open hand where scripture is silent and <laughs> I not, this is okay. kind of a reading between the lines. And it's, then it's very reading setting between a the lines. whole system yeah. based around between the lines assumptions. Um, that, that's my take on yeah, it. Yeah. There's not an explicit text for this, um, but that it is brought out as kind of the way to do leadership, eldership, yeah. you know, eldership. Um, you know, that would be kind of our first, maybe not red flag. Like, cause here's the thing. Yeah. None of this, None of this is is intrinsically sinful or malicious or anything like that. So we don't want people to get the wrong idea that we're like 
man, you got to watch out for churches that use the word lead guy. We're not saying that at all. No, no. Most of these churches are going to be healthy, biblical, godly men doing their best, preaching the gospel. Like we're, we're not, that's why we said we're not coming after anybody. No. And admittedly, frankly, even amongst like healthy churches that you find, probably most of them, especially within the reformed circle, are going to lean this direction. Oh, absolutely. We're, we're the a, minority opinion yeah, on this. Yeah. Uh, and you don't, you're probably going to run into more often than not people that do the kind of thing that we're talking about where yeah. you have a first among equals. Yeah. But that's problem number one. You don't have clear text that you're pointing to. You just don't. You're pointing at Peter and the dynamics of his interactions with the apostles, but it's not, you don't have a like, well, when you open up to First Timothy, you see this. It's not that kind of argument. It's kind of a between-the-lines argument. That's number one. Number mm-hmm. two is Peter is kind of not a great example to use and here's why like a lot of it i think is is peter just is that kind of a personality he's kind of an impulsive very vocal he just yeah. talks a lot he's an external processor is more does that say. mean he's in charge i yeah i'm not I just convinced to that at all i just don't I, get the sense that the other apostles deferred to him in any no way. and in fact you know james and john seem to be trying to take the lead a lot of the time you see Philip outspoken when he's got doubts. You see Thomas outspoken when he's got doubts. And you see Paul rebuke you Peter Paul later. rebuke Peter later. Like, if anything, I would say that Paul seems to be the first among equals in that he writes the most scripture, goes on the most ministry journeys, mm-hmm. and even openly feels comfortable rebuking Peter in front of others. And so it just and doesn't seem like a great no. argument to say, clearly Peter is the first among these equals. Yeah, and, and that's that's our heart behind this. We're just the ones going, hey, clear, clearly, I, I, don't, Can we know, say I clearly? don't know about that. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not convinced of that. I think he just is a more vocal guy. He's an external processor. And so he's going to be the focus in a lot of those texts just because he's the one talking. But I don't think that means that he's the first in as far as authority is concerned so that's problem one and, and, and not we, even you know a lot of people would say well it's not even authority it's like gifting and that's why this person's going to take the lead on yeah. a lot of things just because they're gifted more and again i just that doesn't seem like peter for one because you see james very much seems to be a leader in the church in the mm-hmm. jerusalem church early on paul seems to be a very strong leader uh yeah, you just, you over and over, uh, John, John, I think has right. written a John's lot more scripture one. than Peter. And so you, you just don't see that it's like, well, he's more gifted or he's more this or that. I mean, most people think Peter couldn't read until the end of his life because right. he was an, you know, an, an uneducated fisherman. And in the gospel of Peter, there's what a handful of, of unique words even written there because right. he might not have had the greatest vocabulary. And so I, I don't think it's a question of gifting. I don't think it's a question of, of vocalness. No. Um, I see this more, and I'm going to say it lovingly and humbly to my brothers who would disagree with me, I see this more as a structure that you've either chosen or has been taught to you being put over the scripture, not coming from the scripture. I agree. And I will say the word, it seems like eisegesis. It does. Um, And again, I'm saying that humbly, saying I at least at this point am not convinced. You guys feel free to write back to us, message us, talk to us, DM us on Twitter, and give us the, oh, Chris, you're missing this. And that's fine. We're very open to being swayed on this. Mm-hmm. We don't have a horse in the race. We're just saying, kind of raising our hand at the back of the classroom going, can we really say it's that clear <laughs> right, that right. this is God's and chosen that's our structure? You know, that this is God's chosen structure for the way elders are supposed to lead a church. And the reason is because the stakes are high. This matters. Right. This matters a lot. And we'll get into that in a second. But problem number one, Peter's not the best of examples in that 
he's just vocal. I don't know that necessarily is anything as far as weighty evidence. Well, and he's not even that much more vocal than some of the other apostles. Yeah. We see a lot of interactions between Jesus and other apostles. And you could even say, you know, there's Peter, James, and John. And are we to say then that those are the lead elders, plural, over the other, you know, nine apostles? And those are the and even and that like, I, I'm like again we don't have clear evidence of that we have right. some moments where they're highlighted and they're focused on within the narrative but nowhere in there is does Jesus knight them right. uh, <laughs> say you're you know you guys are going to be higher up there's right. no clear hierarchy with that um, right so and I again I, I just think it's it's reading between the lines and reading something into the text rather than really examining well, what is it what, yeah if if we just had the Bible and said, we're just going to create a church structure off of what the Bible explicitly teaches us to do. I, I just don't know if we, I don't know if we would end up in that. Town, right. And that's you know? our point. And, and Paul, this is the other counter to that. Chris was saying, um, of all people, Paul would be the, if you're really going to play this game, I would think Paul would kind of be that sure. guy more than Peter. And Paul is the most vocal about not doing that kind of thing. Right. Um, where he's, he's he arguing against the idea of super apostles, right. you know, in first Corinthians, he's having a whole dialogue with the Corinthians where he's saying like, don't pit leaders against one another. We're yeah, all on the same absolutely. team doing the same work. And he doesn't elevate himself above anybody. He says one plants another waters. Right. God gives the growth. He also he said, later on, in who's Apollos, who's Paul, well, we're, yeah, we're nothing that. in comparison. It's, it's God who gives right. the growth. And later on, he even talks about the church and, and I know this is about gifting and not about structure. But even as he talks about the gifting that the Holy Spirit brings in the church, he seems to say that, that you know, some gifts are more external and more visible and some, some more unseen, but it doesn't seem to say that that one has more value than the other. But that's the very argument they're giving to Peter, that he's more vocal and he's more seen, and so that gives him more of a weight and value in the, and, and I know... Yep. The, the lead guy camp would say it's not more value, it's not more weight, it's an equal group of and people. And this is where I'm going to prod a little bit. But what do you mean by lead is. guy if he doesn't have something it, extra the it, rest it, of the right. group doesn't have? It, why, why does, <clears throat> if, if that's the case, if there is no difference, then why have lead in front of anybody's name? It, it just doesn't, there is something different about it. Yeah. So it's it's tough to be in that position where you're arguing, well, it's not really more authority, and it's not really specialist, but then why a different title at all? Right. Um, or different emphasis at all. That's our point. And, and so, you know, when we look at texts on elders, you just know where in there do you have. Yeah. And so, then this for lead guys. And you I'll, just don't I'll say, have that yeah, step. a couple things we see in the Bible, um, you know, in first Timothy chapter three, you just see that elders, you know, overseers, those, those, it says, therefore, you know, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Um, this is just an office. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it doesn't seem like there's multiple offices, that there's elders, then there's lead elders. Um, and, you know, so that's the same qualifications for all the same guys in the group. It doesn't seem like extra gifting is ever perceived to be something that would no. set you apart further. Uh, we see that uh, whenever elders are mentioned, it's always in the plural when it's talking about the actual elders of a town. If he's talking about, you know, like in, in the first Timothy three text, he says those who aspire to the office of overseer singular. Um, but he's talking about the concept. He's not actually talking about a church. Whenever he talks about an actual church, as far as I can tell, and I could be corrected, correct me if you guys want, but as far as I can tell, it's always plural. Um, raise up elders in every city, raise up elders in every church. Um, Mm -hmm. the elders and deacons of this church, you know, when he writes to Philippians, um, it's just always plural. Right. 
it doesn't seem like there's anything more to it than that. No. And so we would argue, I think you, you have multiple elders at any church and it is a flat leadership structure, but he has the same vote, same say and cards on the table. And you should probably know this by now, if you've been listening to this podcast for any time, <laughs> but that's how we structure it. Absolutely. And th- this is why we structure it that way is we just, we're not convinced that the way it, we don't, we don't want to assume this is the way we've always done it is the correct answer. Right. And it kind of is as far as evangelical churches in America, at least for a long time, from what I know, uh, have leaned in this direction. And so we went, wait a minute, let's, let's turn that rock over and look at that. And, and where did that come from? And so that's, yeah. that's kind of our theological base for where we're coming from. Well, and a couple other things, you know, first Peter five, four says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Um, really, the only time you ever hear the idea of lead pastor brought up is when it's talking about Jesus. Um, and, and this is where we kind of get the theological groundwork for this. In 1 Peter 5, 4, he says, chief shepherd. Um, that to me, chief sounding like lead or first and shepherd yeah. sounding like pastor. That's the only time that that's the only time used. that's really ever used. And it's talking about Jesus. And so we would say, you know, there is a lead pastor at Ransom City Church and his name is Jesus. Right. Um, and we don't. And, and I know that Mark Driscoll is famous for saying that, that Jesus is our lead pastor, but would also live very contrary and even called himself lead pastor. Right. And so we're not giving this just lip service. We truly believe that we are to be led primarily as the first overseer of our church by Jesus, through the scriptures, by the power of his Holy Spirit. And then the three of us are flat leadership underneath Jesus. Yeah. That's how it functions. And so everything we do, we consult each other and we consult the word. And we don't really ever make a decision, even if just one of the three of us is out of sync. Mm -hmm. um, We almost never decide anything unless all three of us are in agreement under the kingship of Jesus. Um, And and two other things before we get into kind of the experiential side of this, because I know we're kind of kind of bleeding into our experience of this, which, <laughs> yeah. you know, we really have enjoyed, but we'll get into that in a second. Um, the two pushbacks that, uh, that I, I think, or I guess three that I, I was thinking about today when I was thinking about this, that the other camps, um, either I've heard them push back with this argument, or I could assume they will push right. back with this argument is, uh, you know, the whole, you know, God chose Moses, God chose Peter, all this stuff you, you see over and over, we've got this kind of lead guy, Moses, Aaron, David, you know, mm-hmm. over and over, God kind of chooses a lead guy to lead his people and be the voice, you know, for that people. My pushback to that would be, those were all types and shadows of Christ who is to come. Right. And I'm, all flawed, by the way. They're all very flawed. Um, but even beyond that, I don't know of any reformed pastor that's going to deny me that, that David and Abraham and Moses were types and shadows and figures of Jesus who is to come. Right. And so I think, you know, yes, they were kind of the lead guy. They were kind of the, the face and the, you know, the, the figurehead of, of Israel at that time. But Jesus is the fulfillment of that. He is our prophet, priest, and king. Mm-hmm. Um, we no longer need that. We no longer need a mediator. We no longer need a prophet, a priest, or a king. Um, and so I think Jesus is the fulfillment of that. So that would be kind of the first pushback I would expect people to say is, you know, what about Moses? What about David? Kind of these faces of the group. I would say that's Jesus. And now mm-hmm. that we have him, we don't need a lead guy anymore. We all submit to King Jesus. The second thing is uh, we see a structure or a leadership structure or a leadership economy in the Trinity. 
And people would again push back and say, well, what do you do when Jesus says, I submit to the Father, he's the leader over me, even though we're equal in value, dignity, glory, right. etc. Wouldn't the lead pastor be, Wouldn't that be just a like, reflection of that? Right, that we have an equal uh, value in all the elders and pastors of our church, but there's one you know, that we kind of submit to. I would again push back and say, right, but there's no text for that. No. Because um, to cause, apply that concept to yeah, eldership. there's no text there's to not. apply that concept to eldership. Because um, does that mean that we need a lead deacon now? Does that mean <laughs> that we need a lead member of the church? Right. Right. Um, we have these teams of people that are under Jesus, and all the elders are the leaders, shepherds, overseers of the church under the authority of Jesus. And so the the two kind of pictures we would see in scripture where there is equal value but distinction in role would be the Trinity and also husbands and wives. Where the Trinity is applied. Where the Trinity is directly applied. So we have a plethora of texts saying over and over and over and over again, we have this economy within the Trinity that Jesus submits to the Father, the Spirit glorifies Jesus. We see that. There's a million texts about right, it. We also it said, that wives about, submit to your husbands. Right. And it, for it, this reason. It says you know? it's a picture of the gospel right. and that, you know, we're, we're imaging Christ's relationship with the church. We see that, that it's equal in value, but different in role, different in leadership and authority. We just don't have those texts saying pastors submit to each other. Like, we just don't see it. <laughs> Where we, they say submit to your lead guy, like, the, they, they don't do that. There's no text for that. And if it was meant to be the normative practice of elders in every church in the world, and it's based off of the glorious truth of the Trinity and the glorious picture of a husband and wife, it it wouldn't be not glorious, Mm -hmm. but just tell me I'm supposed to do it. And I, because of the silence on it, I'm not led to believe that this is the normative practice of elders. Right. That's where we land, and that's why we land there. And so our argument really is coming from Scripture teaches us the character and role and responsibility of an elder. We see that elders are always plural when they're listed in relation to how who's leading the church, and there is no argument where there's a plethora of arguments about husbands and wives, right? The earthly picture of the Trinity and Christ and his church at work. We don't see that ever listed talking about elders, and so we say from the text, from the Bible, here's where we land. We've yet to really hear such a strong argument from the other side. If you have it, please, again, let us know. Mm-hmm. We're still open to being informed about this. But that's biblically where we land. So let's shift now into our experience, um, kind of the pros and cons experientially that we've either seen in other churches, in other leadership. But specifically, we'll talk about our own, how we've kind of experienced the benefit of this. Uh, the, the one thing I was going to say, I think... Uh, and this has to do with experience, I guess. Um, I, I think part of where that argument came from, of having a lead guy, mm-hmm. is reflecting of something I've noticed for a little while within just kind of the culture and structure of the church. Yeah. Um, I think there's an overvaluing. And again, don't mishear me. Preaching is very, very important. I'm not saying that it's not important, but I think there is an overvaluing of that in that it is valued at the expense of undervaluing other important giftings that have to do with what it means to be a pastor. Because here's the question. We've talked about this from day one as a podcast. Is preaching all that you do as a pastor? No. In fact, if you are the quote-unquote 
lead guy in, in a church that's structured that way, or even if you are in a church that's like ours where you don't have a lead guy, but you have a guy that's preaching more often, if you're in that position, we've joked about it before, is that even from a time frame standpoint, the bulk of what you do? Right. No, you do all kinds of other stuff. And so I, I think, I think there's an unhealthy, I would say a little bit of an obsession with the pulpit in the sense of like, that's, it makes it sound like that is the only thing that pastors do or such a huge part of it. Well, and that the guy that's most gifted at that ends up being elevated because there's an overvaluing of that and undervaluing of shepherding mm-hmm. and discipleship and all the other things that go into and pastoring. Even beyond that, and I know there's probably listeners right now going, but the preached word. And it's like, I'm, I'm, not I'm saying, with you there. Yeah. We're with you there. So yeah. don't mishear us. We're not saying the preached word of God, the preaching of the gospel is secondary to anything. It's not. No, we're not that church. No, we're not. You can go listen to our sermons. We're not that church. Right. We are very gospel centered. We hold the preaching of the word in primary value. Mm-hmm. Like it is, I mean, it's infinitely important. There's nothing yeah. more important that I can think of exactly. than the preaching of the gospel. We're not talking about that. But I think maybe what you're kind of saying is the person who gets to do that most often somehow gets roped into that value. Yes. Would you kind of say that a little bit? It's that, and it's it can be the, the most important of all of them. But if you had a pie chart... That doesn't mean like it's the only important thing. That or, doesn't mean yeah. that occupies ninety percent of the pie, and then the remaining slivers are divvied up between the other responsibilities of being a pastor. That's right. what I'm saying. Right. It can still be the most important thing, but it's not ninety percent of the chart. Like yeah. it, it's a, you know a majority of the chart. It's the most important, but like other things are hugely matter, yeah. and that's what I'm saying. So yeah, you're right. That then the person that's doing that more often does get tied into that importance mm-hmm. that I think is occupying more of the pie chart than maybe right. it should be. That's what I'm, that's well, and, my point. You know, yeah. And I'm I mean, the guy doing it more often at our church. So again, I, yeah, I don't have a horse on that. And again, Paul comes forward and says, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed and in that I rejoice. And he says, I planted, but Apollos watered, watered, but neither of us is anything. And so it doesn't seem as though scripture holds the person in high esteem who delivers the word right. most often or at all yeah but the word itself and right. i think that's again what we're saying is we we see this idea of lead pastor tied in and kind of given extra value or maybe extra authority or maybe extra voice or whatever it is because they're delivering the word most often or maybe they're even the best at delivering the word sure but we don't see scripture give them any extra value authority no anything any extra no. title or anything like that um and Paul even says, like, he who plants and he who waters is nothing. Mm-hmm. We're nothing. Like, right. And this is coming from the guy I just preached this Sunday. I'm nothing. Mm-hmm. We hold up the word. Jesus is king. Jesus gets glory. It's not about who's the lead guy. It's not. And so. Yeah. And again, we might be totally misunderstanding this, but, you know, we, we just don't see an argument for it. Yeah. Um, I also think that this then has a st- systemic problem and effect in that it then devalues to a degree the other elders. That's what I want to talk about. Um, It devalues the other elders on the team. And oftentimes, this isn't always at all. I'm not saying that, but oftentimes it then becomes that the elders that aren't the lead elder or the lead pastor really take on a deacon role. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that? I completely agree with that. I've seen it. You want to speak to that a little bit? Uh, Where 
it tends to, and we've talked about this before, um, but it tends to then become the other elders who aren't in the lead guy position are essentially doing the administrative tasks that the lead pastor either doesn't want to do, um, doesn't have time for, fill in the blank, right. but they are more, they're like primarily deacon jobs, right. uh, organizing this and that and, and that sort of thing. And like, listen, again, cards on the table, like the three of us do things. We do all sorts of administrative All practices. kinds of administrative yeah. stuff that would fit into that category, um, but we're not set up in a way that I don't do any of them and you guys do all of them right. for this reason. That right. Why would we, like, we're just not compelled toward that. Right, because when you see the description of elders, they're responsible for teaching the word accurately and refuting false doctrine. Those are the roles of an elder. And in, and in Acts 7, we see them talking about we need to give ourselves to prayer in the ministry of the word. So we see this primarily as a shepherding through teaching, through preaching, through refuting false doctrine, and through praying for the church. Mm-hmm. That's a pastor. Now they can do other stuff, but even in Acts seven, they were saying we're being bogged down by kind of the hands and feet type of stuff in the church. We need people to serve, and they called for servants. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether or not you want to say those are their first deacons or not, those are deacon style things to serve, to give, to so manage that, the distribution of food, so right. that pastors and elders can teach, preach. Uh, you know, teach the word accurately, refute false doctrine, and pray, and pray for the church, give leadership. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, we see the other pastors on the team taking on the hands and feet style work so that the one guy can preach and pray and give can himself... Can be an elder. And, exactly. Essentially, and that's what we're saying. It, it does become a one-man elder team if you right. structure it that way. Right. Um, because the other guys are now... Basically, functionally deacons deacons yeah and and they so get, that's the that problem do that, get to speak in and right. again we're not we're not going after anybody we just no. we're we're just again it's we're the kid at the back of the class going raising our hand hang going, on hang on am i am i really getting this that where are you guys getting this i'm just right. kind of confused where is this coming from and and that's our point is like the other guys on that team that aren't in the role of primary preacher, lead power, whatever you want to call it, that aren't in that role, should not have the majority of their workload be deacon tasks. It can be some. Like, right. we, we deal with that now. Yeah, especially in us, church planning, you're going to yeah, deal with that. Absolutely. But it can't you know. be, like, if if you're bringing, here's my point, if you're bringing on other elders, you've raised up other men, um, which I lean toward, if you can start with an elder team we've talked about this before yeah, we've, but we've talked very strongly even, <laughs> about start with the team say you're not in that position okay if you bring on other elders i just would hate to see you bring on other elders and make them deacons that's not then then they're not even functioning the way that they can best benefit you they're not functioning the best way they can they can be a benefit to the church like they're just not they're, they're being handed tasks that that's not really the role and if you need deacons then raise up deacons well don't and i was just going to say <laughs> if they're if they're gifted and interested in and would like to be deacons have them be deacons there's nothing right. wrong with being deacons we love our deacons we've got right. great deacons deacons are great right not saying and that at those all. are super and again we're not even devaluing deacon work no we're just saying when you give a pastor deacon work then they're functionally a deacon that's all we're saying. They're just not functioning as a pastor. We we're just calling for you to have a tight, biblically tight leadership structure. That it's you have your elders doing elder work, you have your deacons doing deacon work, and of course, of course, pastors do administrative tasks mm-hmm. and until Jesus returns and the fall that's is taken away from happen, the world. Yeah. 
I'm going to have to do paperwork. We're right. going to have to figure out something with the website or whatever right. it is. That, of course. And, well, unless your church is super huge. Because I know big churches that happens. really that's do good have... For you. Yeah, that's... good for you. We're not degrading that at all. If you have the staff and the elders and the paid whatever, and they can do all the stuff, so you really can devote yourself but to the But given that we're talking Lord, to church planters, probably a right. lot of you are in our boat where right. you are dealing with administrative stuff, and that's fine. But yeah, don't bog down your other pastors, your other elders with primarily deacon tasks. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that is systemic of having this overemphasized lead guy concept mm-hmm. and culture. Um, and, and yeah, experientially, what, what did, what was, so I, I mean, thoughts? I was just thinking like, we've really been thankful that the Lord kind of led us to a, a flat leadership structure mm-hmm. that from day one, none of us has had a greater vote than the other. Um, that it, I would say has given us health. Um, oh, 100%. In the sense that not one of us has had an undue weight on their shoulders Mm-mm. to be the leader no. of the church, um, but that we shoulder that weight together underneath the broad shoulders of Jesus, really who we say is ultimately responsible for being the lead pastor of our church. Right. He is ultimately responsible for overseeing, shepherding, ministering to us, and out of the overflow of his leadership of us, we are to lead this church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say it's helped not have a, a strain and a burden specifically on Seth. Mm-hmm. Um, because I will say that Seth is the, you know, just so you guys know, Seth's the only one that is full time with our church. Um, so of the three of us, we've got Seth, myself, and Greg, um, Greg and I work full time outside of the church mm-hmm. and then give, you know, kind of as many hours as we can to serving the church through our leadership. So Seth is going to be automatically seen as the leader. Right, just as I'm full-time. Just, if we're going to all be honest, nobody in our church would accidentally think, like, Greg or I is the leader. They're so going to, it's going to, it's going to default to, me to if the, it's going the guy to be that any. preaches most often, right. the guy that works full-time for the church. But, Seth doesn't need the weight on his shoulders of believing that's true. No. That it all funnels to him. Everyone no needs to come with in him. No interest by the way. I don't their questions want it. and their whatever. It's like that we share this structure that he's not discipling everyone in the church. No. He's not handling all the conflict in the church. He's not, I mean, no. name a thing, but it doesn't all land on Seth at the end of the day. Or should it? And that's what we're saying. Like, and if I don't you're, think that's supposed to be what it is. And that's the thing is if you're out there right now going, but I feel like it is all right. Just at the end of the day, if I screw this up, it was me. And I, you know, like, and I am totally responsible for everything at the end of the day. Like, man, trust your elders. If you don't have any elders, raise some up. Right. If you have elders, start, start treating them as your equals and right. divvy up the leadership, Hand divvy up the responsibility, responsibility and it, authority. And this is what I was going to say. Like, don't hear, uh, that this is like Chris and Greg are happy and I'm not somehow because <laughs> yeah. that's not true. Um, I, I don't want it any other way. This has been a huge blessing to me uh, to, I think, safeguard me and protect me from being the guy bearing an undue, uh, unhealthy load that I don't think was ever intended to be <laughs> borne by anybody but Jesus, frankly, as far as the chief chief shepherd role. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's really protected me. Um, it's, I was, there's about a thousand benefits I wanted to highlight. Um, one is because this is how we function from day one, it's not any of the three of us as church mm-hmm. at all. 
because we've done everything together. You can't look at Ransom City Church and go, that's Seth's church, or that's Chris's church, or that's Greg's church, as far as how it functions, right. the DNA of the church. No, it is such a, a hive mind thing between mm-hmm. the three of us that like nobody has uh, more ownership of it in an unhealthy way, where it's like, that's mine, and there's territorialism. There's really not. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of stuff all over the place that are, it's everybody. It's a shared thing. Yeah. And what that also does is protect our people from anybody hijacking it. Right. It is a team of leaders that we, leads. We have joked that all of us would have to lose our minds on the same day about the same issue right. for us, for our church to get off track. And like, what a peaceful thought that is. Yeah. That the amount it would literally have, have to take to line up. all three of us at the same time going, well, let's drive this thing into the ground. Yeah. You know, um, it, that just comforts me that, you know, Seth can't just wake up one day and go, well, you know what? I'm just running this thing right. now. And same for Greg and I, but like just, it, it's incredibly safe um, yeah. for your church. Uh, yeah. I mean, we, we have really experienced the benefit and the blessing of not having a, uh, a tiered structure to our right. leadership. And, and hear this too, cause I don't want you to be confused. Like I still do take the bulk of the preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so like if you're hearing this and you're like thinking of how that's going to play out and you have a different view, like that's not what we're saying. Like mm-hmm. that still is like, f- as far as functioning, like preaching load and, and that I'm just highlighting that cause that's what people kind of associate yeah. in their minds. Um, but it's like, e- what we're saying is even though I'm doing like numbers wise, the majority of the preaching that doesn't make me special. I don't get a different title. I don't get more say I don't get, yeah, that just happens to be an outworking well, of <laughs> yeah. what it looks like for me to be an elder. Like right. it, it's not, and <laughs> I'm not thing, special. Right. The thing is like, you know, I love preaching, too and right. like I, I don't think I'm bad at it I don't think I'm amazing at it but I like preaching too um, I just don't have the time like I work right. a full-time job outside of the church and even if I wanted to preach every week I just couldn't it would right. kill me it's just not the it's narrative not that we're right. in and so for one it's just pragmatically Seth's going to preach most <laughs> of the time because he at. has all of his hours devoted to right. the church um, Greg doesn't want to preach very much like he right. is increasingly like oh you know I'll preach maybe once or twice this year Right. But he's not wanting to preach once a month or anything like no, that. So right. the way we've kind of landed is, practically speaking, none of us wants to preach every week except for, you know, Seth. But he, he, not even that he wants to I preach don't. every week. <laughs> we we have a rhythm. That's, <laughs> yeah, we have a rhythm of, off. Yeah. you know, every, what, five to seven it's weeks. About, on average, about five right now. Yeah, five and, or six. And, and that's... Anymore. Five or six on, and then I get at least one off. Anymore, and Seth starts to get squirrely. I I'll do. Just, like, I start he... to get weird and depressed because <laughs> it just it, it feels like Groundhog Day. Yeah. Like at a certain point, you're like, oh my goodness. So yeah. I don't want any more preaching load that right. I have. But I, I'm just painting that picture because I don't want people to hear this and think that we're saying. So here's what you got to do then if you're going to have a flat leadership structure. That means you all have an equal number of preaching dates. And if you're in your mind like, well, this guy isn't even gifted at that like that's not what we're saying yeah we're not we're talking about authority we're talking about emphasis right that should be equal you're sharing that together right because greg primarily is very interested in leading our band right so that's what he does he plans our liturgy he gets the band together he leads them in similar to a worship pastor right he kind of oversees them um 
And right. I, I don't want to do that every week, and neither mm-hmm. does Seth. No. And so it's like, yeah, do it. It's It's been like, divvied up, like, based on our giftings for one. But even that, like, you're a gifted preacher, so it's not... And I lead the band. Right. So it's it, not... It's it's really... What I was going to say, based on giftings, what's funny is it, part of it shook out just because you are very well-rounded and can kind of... I've called you the utility guy in the yeah. relief picture before, because you really are. Like, you can lead worship, you can preach, you're gifted at all of those different things. Yeah. And so, like, your role reflects that, because right. you'll, you'll step into any of those when mm-hmm. we need it. Um, Greg's role reflects like he is really gifted at worship. My role reflects like I'm not as gifted at like if you threw me into tech with stuff you do that's mm-hmm. just not I could figure it out question mark but like it's not right you know and stuff so, like that. So it's, yeah, what we're not saying is a flat leadership structure means everybody preaches equally often everybody no. leads I don't know your elder meeting equally often. <laughs> right. Everybody leads the band equally often. We're not saying that at all. You can figure that out out on We're your especially own. Especially talking about authority. We're just talking about yeah, authority, uh, emphasis, uh, you know, reverence for each other. That's right. Um, that's what I mean. That we submit to one another uh, out of reverence for Christ. Like mm-hmm. that's what the scriptures say. We submit to each other, and so we just have this constant mutual submission between the three of us that right. it's I submit to you and you submit to me and I submit to him and he submits to you and just round and round we go. And that's how it works. And ultimately it's so that we can all be submitted to Jesus. Right. Uh, but yeah, and here's the thing. If you want, you know, say you got three guys, five guys, whatever it is, five guys. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Burgers and fries. Burgers. <laughs> uh, but say you got five guys in your church that are all equally gifted at preaching, all like preaching, and you guys are like, you know, hey, there's four to five weeks in a month. Let's all just take a week and right. it is what it is. Uh, fine. That's fine, too. Yeah. I don't care. Right. Nobody cares. Right. Like, it's just a funny, like, we're just there, saying. There's freedom in how this divvies up yeah. what, as far as, like, what responsibilities and we're stuff just look saying like. You're, you all need to be uh, leaders. You all need to occupy yourself with the ministry of the word and prayer. Mm-hmm. What that might look like is you occupy yourself with the ministry of the word and prayer in that you oversee the whole Sunday school ministry in your church. Mm-hmm. The ministering of the word to the kids and praying for those kids by name every week. Or maybe you are, you know, you got a big church and there you got your own like young singles and young couples and college age and thirties and and you got all these different ministries and you want to occupy yourself with the ministry of the word and prayer with that group or you guys share the preaching load or you have a sunday school structure you know our church is so small we just don't have these other rhythms and structures and so our leadership's just going to look different it's a lot more streamlined yeah you guys might have all these other areas yeah and that's where the elders come in is the ministry of the word and prayer Yes. That can look like all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. As long as you're teaching doctrine accurately and refuting false doctrine and praying for your people, that's what a pastor does. Yes. Let me uh, press on a soft spot. Yeah, here. go ahead. And this is, again, I'm in the role. I want you to hear. Like, I'm in the role when you look at like what I do and my work week looks like that you might label lead pastor, but we don't. Like, we're right. not going to do that. We very intentionally don't do that. Mm-hmm. So I, here's why I'm emphasizing that. I'm, I'm emphasizing it because I want you to know I don't have a horse in this race against what I'm saying. In fact, what I'm saying would argue against what you would think I would say, but no, really. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the, thing, the, the thing that I want to press on, uh, an outworking of this practically, like if you've got, say, three to five elders, mm-hmm. right? And you've got your guy that, that is going to be occupying the pulpit more often. The other guys get to speak into the preaching calendar. The other guys get to speak. That's what we're talking about. Right. You don't have a guy that just has his little kingdom that is untouchable. That's not healthy. That's 
not you're not submitting to one another. You got a guy that's yeah. got a whole category that's off limits. And we're not saying it will always automatically lead to trouble, but man, no. is it prone towards yeah. just I would say just danger. It's just a dangerous, precarious place to be. That there's any area of your church and your ministry where it's more like where that's the other guys my can't thing. speak in. We and that what I'm saying, I poked at that role because. It's tempting if you're that guy to be like that, um, if you're you know carrying the preaching responsibility. But that applies across the board in the same way. Like we speak into worship mm-hmm. uh, with Greg. That's yeah. not off limits. We, help we them speak into the songs and the order, <laughs> all kinds scripture, of, right? Um, community groups, which you've taken the head of organizing yeah. quite a bit. We speak into that together. Like there's no off limits area. That's plan, what we mean by flat leadership. We plan the preaching calendar together because we are all invested. Exactly in our church and we all care about the direction and the doctrine of our church and where we're headed. And so we're not just going to say, yeah, Seth, tell us where we're headed. We all say, why would we, we all say together, right. well, where do we think our church needs to go? Where are we at now? What scriptures would take mm-hmm. us there? Well, then we're going through first Corinthians right now. Right. Um, we decide that stuff together. And even within the three of us, Greg doesn't care that much about that stuff. And so he'll just defer and kind of go, I don't know. Well, what do you guys think? And Seth and I are more passionate about it, so right. we'll get into we'll that have back and forth. He's more passionate about worship, and he's going to talk about that stuff more, and we'll kind of defer to him. And I'll defer more on that just based on he's that's his area of and so gifting. You'll find the rhythm of this um, as you grow. And I will, again, full transparency, we may be at a slight advantage to you guys yeah. in this, in that this might come easier to us or quicker to us. We have a very unique story. Because all three of us went to high school together. I led Seth to Christ. Greg, or sorry, Seth led Greg to Christ. And then we all decided to start a church together. That's pretty rare. Yeah. You're, you and I have been friends for, I want to say, it's got to be what? Close to? More than 10 years. More than 10 years. Probably uh, close to 12. Yeah. Get 12 or 13 years. And Greg, Greg and, and I Greg, almost it's been twenty. Like, it's been twenty. It's years. Coming up on twenty, and so that's rare. You yeah, know, you're, usually you're probably that's not, not who that. your elders are, and that's not how it goes. So this is going to take time. Um, so that trust that gets built up, the fun and the camaraderie and the brothership that gets built up, that might take time. You know, and and to even find guys, and especially if you're church planning, to raise up qualified men and not right. be hasty in the laying out of hands. I get that. I'm not right. telling you to rush in. Oh yeah, we're not telling you to rush. Here's at the thing. All. For what we're advocating, you have to take very seriously whether the guys are qualified and ready. Right. Because if you're going to make it a flat leadership well, structure, and, and you so here's, here's what I'll say is, for some of you guys out there that are thinking, man, pump the brakes, guys, because I don't know if I want so-and-so to have an equal voice, well, then maybe they shouldn't be an elder on your team. And that's what we would argue, and, then they're not ready. And the literally the litmus test that we've decided as yeah. to who would be the next elder, who would we give a, you know that fourth spot two or the fifth or sixth or however many spots, you know, elders we're going to have, we've all decided that all three of us would have to be in agreement that I want this next guy to have the same voice and the same weight and the same vote as I do. So is he ready for that? That's the question. Is he ready for that doctrinally? Is he ready for that in his leadership? Is he ready for that in his heart and his character and his shepherding of these people, his care for the church, his love Mm -hmm. for Jesus? If it's not there that you want them to have an equal voice with you, they're just not ready for eldership. Then, then pump the brakes and wait a little bit. Give it time. But that's what we want is for right. the, the three of us, or the five of you, or the ten of you, or the hundred of you, however many elders you have in your church, that you have an equal voice. And here's, as far as experience, the benefits of, of what we've seen in this, it's a couple other things too. Uh, for one, 
it lessens my workload in that when we, because we do, we go out of, way, our, out of our way as a church to highlight this uh, during members' meetings or, or membership classes. Um, I highlight Chris and Greg are also pastors that you can also talk to. Like, I'm not, you don't need to go to me every time. Uh, that lessens the pressure on me. That lessens the workload on me. Because mm-hmm. that'd be just unrealistic if any time anybody had a pastoral concern, they thought they needed to call me. They don't. Yeah. You guys are equally capable. Well, and so we highlight that. That's a benefit. Yeah. Um, I'll go ahead. I was just going to say, our church is too big for that. And our church is oh. really small. <laughs> right. So your right. church is probably also too big for that. Right. That just one guy is where everything funnels to. No, thank you. I'm right. sure... If that is your, the situation you're in, you're probably very stressed out. Probably exhausted. And so that's a benefit for me personally. The benefit to our church is we're structured in such a way that I have full confidence that if something happened tomorrow and I just died mm-hmm. or, or something even, you know, well, I was going to say worse just because that's, that's an interesting thing. But <laughs> it, it is worse in the Christian worldview. Oh, like yeah. Death would be better than, than you know, morally being disqualified, whatever, right? Yeah. But yeah. if something tomorrow happened that I'm pulled out, the church is going to be just fine because we've set it up in such a way that I've never been the, you know, center that everything funnels to. It's just, you guys are fine. You don't need me. We don't orbit around Seth. Exactly. You'll find another qualified guy that can occupy the position. And that's what I want. Right. I don't want a church that stands or falls depending on whether I'm there. Our goal from the beginning has been to plant a church that exists long after all three of us are dead. Right. Like we, we want, we've joked before, like we want people 30 years from now or, or yeah, yeah, probably longer years from now. Uh, yeah, whatever. Don't even know who we are. Don't know our names. Don't know we had anything to do with the planting of it. I want it to just continue. Just keep going. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's another benefit. Well, and you know, we've gotten to the point where we're raising up other men to hopefully soon and you know, soon with an asterisk, we don't know what that means, but mm-hmm. hopefully soon to have the same voice as us and that we would trust with the same amount of leadership and all that. And when the three of us were on a plane <laughs> flying to uh, the pastor's conference in oh, Minneapolis, yeah, I forgot about this. We, uh, we texted our wives and said, I guess if all three of us die, these are the three guys in charge. <laughs> <laughs> They'll figure it out. <laughs> They'll figure it out. Um, yeah. And so, you know, we just, we hold this office with an open hand. We trust that Jesus is king and that he's the lead pastor of our church and his word won't pass away and our church won't pass away as long as we're in submission to his mm-hmm. church. And so we were even, you know, jokingly like, hey, if all three of us die, put these other three guys in charge and they'll be fine. They'll and figure they figure it out. Right. And we really trust that they would, you know. Um, and so, yeah, that's our heart. Um, right. So, you know, we've kind of covered here's what the lead guy idea is and where it comes from. You know, what we don't mean when, you know, we're not attacking anyone in this, no. but we don't see it as coming straight from the scripture as much as straight from maybe pragmatism or the business world. That's a lot of it. Or, you know, what you were taught and what the guy before you was taught and the guy before him was taught. And it makes sense. Like, why question it? It, it works to a degree. It really benefits uh, one guy, too, that here, the analogy I would use is um, to give a political analogy. Uh, we joke all the time because I, I have an interest in politics, but like the political brokenness, mm-hmm. whether it's in our country or any country, like, oh man, the political system's broken. But the problem is the people to change that would have to be the people in power who are benefiting from the brokenness. Right. And that's part of why this continues is that it would require, it does require a guy that would otherwise be put in that lead guy position to go, you know what? 
right. I'm, I'm gonna, not going to do this because yeah. I don't feel comfortable with it. I don't think it's right. And I'm going to defer authority that otherwise would have been handed to me. Yeah. I'm going to have less of that and I'm going to give it to these other men and really make them equals with me. That is a sacrifice in the sense of that's not how the system is set up right now. Right. The system is going to encourage you to not do that and to be the first among equals. Um, but it's, for one, it's not, I don't think it's really a sacrifice in the sense of, I think it is just what we should be doing. That, right. that is our position. Um, and it's also not a sacrifice in the same sense that it's, it's protecting your soul. Yeah. It's protecting it's your protecting soul. It's protecting your church. It's, that's exactly a what I was going to say. It's that's, for the good of the church that you're leading. It's so, so it's much not, safer it's for your It's not church. about you. It's yeah. about Jesus and it's about his church and this protects his church. Yeah. It's always been his church. Well, so are you reflecting that in your leadership structure? The thing that we found too is when we basically relate what I would say is kind of a foreign concept concept that, you know, the stuff we've been talking about tonight, when we relate this to other pastors, mm-hmm. <clears throat> it just comes off to people as such a breath of fresh air that they're like, I've seen people literally their shoulders drop and they go, Oh, that would be so great. Like I've mm-hmm. literally heard yeah, people more, say more that. than once, yeah. more than once. And I think people deep down long for, you know, whether you are the lead guy, you kind of long to relinquish some of that authority. Someone else takes some hits. Yeah, have someone else <laughs> shoulder it with you and you're kind of exhausted. Or you're not the lead guy and you're kind of on this team of quasi-deacon elders. Where you're not you're even just, sure how much say you have. You, yeah, you don't know how much say you have. You don't feel like an equal with the other guy. You don't necessarily feel like your gifts are being utilized. And I've, I've heard guys in that position too go like, man, that would be cool to be mm-hmm. like basically be an equal right. um, and, and be a pastor. And so we've, we've kind of just heard other people go, huh, I've never really thought, but yeah, I guess that's true. Like right. there is no like lead pastor in scripture and, um, and things like that. And so, uh, yeah, so we've seen that. Um, but yeah, we just really, we really enjoy it ourselves. <laughs> right. We do. <laughs> and, and again, to reiterate, this is something all three of us are on board with. This is not any, nobody is reluctantly doing this. Mm-hmm. This is something we came to the scriptures together, wrestled with and went, this is where we're led. Mm-hmm. And that's why we set it up the way that we did. And, and so let's circle back. Here's the reason we had this conversation. Mm-hmm. I think this idea of whether it's spoken or unspoken, and that's part of this problem here, because sometimes it's just kind of an unspoken thing. Uh, but this idea of elevate, elevating one of the elders, one of the pastors above the other ones, I think has led to and contributed to a culture of domineering leadership mm-hmm. and eventual ministry burnout of some kind, disqualification, stuff like that. Yeah. There's been too many of these cases. Um, and, and I don't want to name names too much, but you you know we've, we talked a little bit about Driscoll. Uh, the one that prompted it recently was Darren Patrick. Uh they've been eerily similar. Like, and I don't want to get into the gory details, but the one word that kept coming up was domineering. Yeah. And, and I the, think you, and <laughs> the thing we kept hearing too, was that no one could really speak in that they have kind of gotten themselves to a level where others right. couldn't speak in. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we, with Darren Patrick, you know, it sounds like the other pastors did step in. It sounded a lot healthier than right. the first round with Driscoll, which was good. Well, that was a, um, an empire. Yeah. It really was. Uh, but here's why we're highlighting this. Like, I here's where I struggle. I think part of the problem is being a guy that that you know functions as, as far as the responsibilities. Like, would have I would have been 
allowed to be the lead guy yeah. based on the way the system is going. And most people, I'll bet if you people. ask in our network and in our denomination, who's the lead guy at Ransom City? Right. They're going to say Seth. Right. Like, that's just how Which, there's grace in this. I know what they yeah. mean. We're, we don't yeah. get into we're a whole not, again, argument we're not about it. after people on And this. in my mind, I just retranslated it to, because we don't even use the official title, but it's like, they really mean more preaching, pastor, or whatever. Which I don't care. We, we like, don't use that Which either. we don't we use. We get into that too. But yeah, I just don't think it's necessary. Yeah. Like, but I also don't, I'm not going to go to yeah. war about it. A quick aside on that, and again, we don't go to war on any of this yeah. stuff. We're not going to correct people mid-sentence to go, he's not a lead pastor. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, you know, the reason we haven't, and you can look on our site, but the reason we don't call Seth the preaching pastor or the lead pastor or the teaching pastor or the pastor of preaching and vision or the yeah. pastor of whatever is because that's not all he does. And he's not the only one that does it. No. Um, yeah. You you preach regularly. Yeah. Other people preach regularly. We have other people uh, preaching. No. So it, it's not he's not the only one who does it, and uh, it's not all that he does. No. Because you could say Seth is the preaching pastor. Does that also mean he's the admin pastor, and he's the like discipleship he, the discipleship yeah. pastor, and yeah. he's the right now we entered into marital counseling, so he's the uh, young couples pastor, and yeah, he's the it's just the pastor. We just all wear a lot of hats, like <laughs> right. most pastors right. do. And even if there's a thing that he does more often, which would be preaching, it just seems like that a, doesn't define what my it doesn't define is. him. We don't see again any precedent in the scriptures for it. So why bother? Like it yeah. just it, it just makes it seem again that there's an unequal share of either responsibility or value or right. role or whatever. So that's an aside. And then and but then again, it does communicate to, to me. Here's what I wanted to get into. Where part of the other reason we don't do stuff like that is I think then it is going to whether I acknowledge it or not send sort some sort of subliminal message that that's my turf mm-hmm. and this is my thing. Yeah, and I that's my little here's my walls. And because that's what happens. Setting so, up his own kingdom. Yeah. Yes. And so here's where I was going with that. I think the problem is you have, as, as a church planner, you went through the whole assessment process and had really good um, discipleship leading up to it from Joe. Joe was very involved, especially with the heart aspects of things mm-hmm. and was cautioned from him, from our, our network and everybody else who's, who's really effectively led me into church planning before we got here um cautioned over and over again you know don't don't become a megalomaniac don't you know become this domineering guy who's running the show you don't want that you want to be you want to have other leaders around you you want to raise up elders eventually you want to you know this that was the caution from the get-go you know don't don't do stuff like that um and yet by having this emphasis on lead pastor, lead pastor, lead pastor, you're, you are sending mixed messages. Mm-hmm. I think you are. Like, we can argue that, but in my mind, I think you're sending, you're, it's totally mixed messages. Mm-hmm. Don't do that yet. But, I mean, you really are kind of the guy in charge. Sure. And we heard um, from other people, be careful that people don't try to hijack your vision. Be careful right. that people don't try to usurp your authority. Right. And it's like, your vision, your authority? Right. Why? Why is it just you? You know, and, <laughs> right. and and so and we get it. Like we know what people know, are saying. Exactly. So again, we're not nitpicking. We're not going to war with anyone. But it just it does send mixed messages that it's like it. You know, you want other guys around you. You want other people speaking in. But mm-hmm. also be careful that they don't try and hijack anything from you as if the church belonged to you. And I think it it fuels this paranoia. Mm-hmm. It fuels the heart things that are at work already in us as leaders, it fuels the kind of pride that gets you to a place where you become a domineering leader mm-hmm. who can't be held accountable. 
Right. I think it does. I think it's the little embers that start it yeah. uh, and fuel it and, and encourage by it. By God's grace, we're again, we're not saying that every church is headed this way no. if you have a lead no. guy. And that we're and again, we're not saying that the churches who have a lead guy are unhealthy and, and not gospel-centered. No, not in fact, biblical. like I said, I know a ton of churches that are super that healthy yeah. that do exactly what we're saying we don't do yeah. and aren't convinced. If anything, we are like very rare. Like most people aren't rare cat. this way. Yeah. Um, and so we're not going to go out and say everyone who's not doing it our way is wrong and everyone's, you know, they're sinful and they need to repent. We're not saying and any And part of the that. reason, like we said at the outside, is I don't think any of this is malicious. No. I don't think no. the overwhelming majority of this is set up intentionally for any of these reasons at all. I just think it's a byproduct. Right. I think it's a byproduct of a, a theological position that I don't, I'm not convinced of. That's right. why we're talking about this. Right. Um, and so that, I just think like you had said it at one point. You can you can probably correct me and tell me the exact quote of what you said, but you said something to the tune of like, I think this lead guy culture thing is something that in twenty years, when we're reflecting on the church planting movement of the you know two thousands and now, era, yeah, we're gonna look back and go that was not a good idea, and well, that led to and this. I, again like not that people weren't church planting before or after or during, but no, Driscoll there's been a resurgence. Driscoll is. <laughs> <laughs> so use the word pun, pun uh, not intended yeah, but, <laughs> but it works just fine uh, Driscoll is the guy that really rejuvenated kind of the young Calvinistic reformed church planting let's get excited about this cool new church planting thing he, he did do that and we don't want to take that away from him and honestly guys you know if you're a Driscoll hater it's like he did he did a lot of good he's right. a flawed man that messed up big at the end and it's unfortunate but like he did a lot of good stuff so we're not taking any of that away from him at all. But I think the flaws that we all knew him for, and I think that he would even admit he's flawed in, are, f- are fueling some of this lead guy culture. Yeah. Um, I think he was a big proponent of the first among equals idea, mm-hmm. and we have a lot of church plants coming out of the Mars Hill idea and structure. And even the if they're X-29. not X-29. Right, even if they're not influence. X-29. It's influential. He's a big name, and he had a I don't mean a big mouth in like a bad way, but like he had a big, uh, he had a voice, big platform, you know, yeah, yeah, big platform in our culture. And I do think that 20, 30 years from now, 50 years, whatever it is, we are going to look back and go, man, Driscoll did a lot of good, but I think that was an area where he influenced us in maybe a negative or unbiblical and started direction cycle and this inertia that people just sort of innately yeah. followed it just sounds right it sounds good that it's like <laughs> first among equals first among equals sounds catchy it rolls off the tongue and, and it sounds like you know quick, there's the peter of the group and you know you right. get that all sounds great until you actually examine it i just i like, just don't mm-hmm. think it holds any water it's right. full of holes yeah uh and you know and we we came from that group like we are an x29 yeah. church we loved driscoll up until he kind of lost it towards the end of his ministry right. and we still love him as a brother we but, love him as a brother but as we, far as his ministry yeah we hope yeah. he's doing well i don't know where he's at with any of that right. but but what we're saying is is like and and i would i mean i think early on seth your email signature was even like lead pastor of ransom city church like, it was and i changed it he kind of had that title for a while and then we kind of re-examined the scriptures and said like is this coming from a place of Scripture, or is this just coming from we just accepted just assumption? It was just handed to us as this yeah. is the assumed leadership structure. 
And once we examined it, we were kind of like, yeah, I don't, I don't think we need to run right. it this way. So well, and and this whole thing, like I said, it it sets it up that it can continue on without you, and there's an easy transition yeah. if you do it this way. And here's another just practical, because like, I I painted the like kind of darker version. Right. It's like, oh, if you die, you're disqualified. Here's another one. What if so, I don't know what's going to happen in t- ten years? What if something happens? God calls me to something else that I did not anticipate. Which, by the way, not my plan at all right now. But I'm saying things happen, things change. What if right. something happens? God calls me to go plant elsewhere, but we've set up our whole lives around me being this lead guy and this figurehead. It is going to be an adjustment versus the way we're set up now. <laughs> Whatever. Well, I was never the preaching pastor right. anyway. Here you go. Here's right. Whoever else is going to step into this role. Well, it's fine. I think it's especially damaging when that guy falls or when that yes. guy leaves is because when he was the, the whole face. face and he was the voice of this whole church or this whole movement. And it's like, if he falls, uh, you know, in sin, if he dies, if he leaves, the church just crumbles. And, you know, you can say, well, not necessarily, but it so often does. It just falls apart. Um, Or is way more difficult than it mm -hmm. needed to be. That's the point. Even if it doesn't fall apart, it's like, it's still going to be a way harder road where you've got to undo a lot of work now. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I think... Do you have anything else to say on the topic? I mean, we can, I, I'll highlight again. If you guys have questions or comments, please reach out to right. us, ransomcitychurch.org. Click on the contact tab. You can email us um, or our Twitter handle, at Sowers Almanac. Yeah. Um, please reach out to us if you do have any thoughts, because this is one we can revisit and keep revisiting. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like this is a dialogue we're willing to keep having, especially I don't know of anybody else having this conversation no I, and they might be there might but be but unaware yeah. to us yeah, yeah. unbeknownst um, to us so and so i will say this if you're reaching out to us on social media be nice um if you think we're dumb and we're coming from a dumb place <laughs> be nice because we're trying to be nice to you here right. um we, we've tried not to be you know not to have any any animosity in this that we are just trying to say here's what the scriptures say we just don't see it your way if you're disagreeing with us yeah Please be nice if you're reaching out to us on social right. media. Remember, we're both brothers, brothers in Christ here just trying to do our best. Um, but yeah, please do respond. We want to hear what you're thinking. Right. And like I said, just know our heart behind it. Even if we do land on different positions on that, that's fine. We're going to both be in eternity with Jesus. I don't care about that as much. My, my concern is either way, even if you disagree with us, I want you to hear our heart and hear our concerns. Mm-hmm. Even if you are going to land in a position where you lean toward the first among equals thing and you're convinced of that. For one, as long as you actually feel confident standing before Jesus on that position, that's my first primary concern. Right. Are you confident in that? If the answer to that is yes, still hear our heart of here are our concerns. We just don't want you to think this is your church and, and your kingdom. Right. And if you're still going to choose after listening to this episode, I'm still going to run my church as though we have a lead pastor, we have a first among equals Okay, please, please safeguard against all the concerns that we brought up. That's what I'm saying. You like, right. fine. Like you're allowed to come to the scriptures and walk away with your own opinions because this is not a conviction level no. salvific. Any, we're not, we're not drawing lines in the sand and asking you to cross. Which is why we lean the way that we lean. Right. But yes. Yeah. But if you're gonna fall on a different side of this, please, please use the other men in your church. Set up boundaries set up safeguards, set up checks and balances. Cause even in our own country, as much power as the one president we have has, we do have a legislative and a judicial branch that there are checks and right. balances. Please find something like that. There's gotta yourself. be. 
There's got to be something where you can't blow this thing up. You can't be untouchable. And the reason, the reason we're talking about this is when we see instances where men that we look up to um, are disqualified, to what it shouldn't, here's, here's the thing, it shouldn't trigger a, I can't believe he did that, that's so stupid, blah, 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 blah. Um, we may sinfully have a knee-jerk reaction in that way, but the, what, what the reaction should be is that's a gut check for us. We're proud men too. We're sinners too. Mm-hmm. We're capable of the same sorts of things. Absolutely. We just are. Yeah. And so our point is that should open up this dialogue where we go, because we're capable of that, are we set up in a way that safeguards our church from anybody being the founder and CEO who just is the guy and the right. face? Um, right. Because even think, if you're first among equals, you shouldn't have that. Right. We recently, you know, there was a pastor who fell sexually. And I think Seth and I, our first reaction was, man, how dumb do you yeah, have oh, to be? Admitted that was the right. language that came out of our mouths. Like, mm-hmm. man, how dumb do you have to be? You're a pastor. This happens to so many pastors. How do you still not? Well, and because it was it was carbon copy the exact things that were told from day one. You just right. don't do that. Right. You don't spend time with people, with women alone that aren't your wife. Right. And you don't, you know. And so, like, that's the knee jerk reaction is how could you? And then you know, I heard it was a great article. I forget exactly who wrote it. I can't remember. Maybe you can remember. But it was someone who said, if you believe that, you have a pretty low understanding of sin. Yes. Um, and, and that really was a great rebuke to me mm-hmm. that like, you're it's right, a, you're right for me to think at all that I'm better than that. Overlooking that my sinfulness right. and capacity so, to do this. So the knee jerk is how could they? And it's like, nope, I could absolutely do the same thing in the same situation. Now, how do I build my life so that I really can't get into that situation? Right. Like it would be really hard for me to get there. And I'm not talking about pharisaical, set up a border before the border before the border and that that makes me righteous and good before God. We're not talking about that at all, but there is safety and there is wisdom. And we're saying if there, if it's all, if at all possible for you to set up a structure in which it's less likely for one man to get glory and for one man to have authority over others and for one man to, to potentially drive this thing into the ground. Right. Why not? Let's do that, huh? Let's examine. Right. <laughs> well, and, and the the big question is, because we can all agree on this, even even though we may disagree, we, we're not convinced on the first among equals thing, you may be. What we can all agree on, if we have a healthy mentality about church, uh, ch- churches and what the church actually is, um, is that Jesus is the chief shepherd. Absolutely. That's non-negotiable. We all can agree on that. So the question that we're asking is, is your church, is your church plant, is your future church plant reflectant of that reality and that in you are actual shepherds exactly yeah that no one person is the chief shepherd other than jesus yeah so we'll end it there again we love you guys any questions please reach out to us again so is almanac on twitter or rainspecificchurch.org is our website um but uh, we'll sign off with that we'll talk to you guys again soon